Thanks for tuning into the Salty Witches podcast, whether that be on your live streaming, not live streaming, we're not live streaming, whether that be on your Spotify or YouTube or Apple Music or wherever you are. And also, Happy New Year. Uh, This isn't our first episode. We did an episode last week that was our first New Year episode. No, we didn't. Yeah, we did. And I was like, like, how have you been? I feel like I haven't seen you for a year. And you were like, that was a lame dad joke, Mike. You suck. I hate you. And and then I died a little bit inside. But I try not to show it because I know that my tears just excite you. Tonight, <laughs> we have a couple of uh, questions. I almost said questions. 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 We also have a couple of questions. Um, sound like my mama over there. Uh, well, you know, you're, 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 maybe I'm channeling your mamma. Well, she is right over there on the altar. That is a terrifying thought, actually. She's okay. a lovely woman. Thank you. Oh, no, no, no. I, I'm not trying to say anything against your, your mamma. Just I'm thinking like me channeling the spirit of an old woman like that. An old southern I'm, woman. I'm already a lot for people to deal with. I just think that would be um, a lot, 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 a lot. An axolotl. An axolotl. All right. So, um, so the first thing really is um, the first thing I want to say actually to this saltine is I apologize. You contacted us actually just this morning because in last week's episode we were like, why does nobody email us? We set up this email address. Blah, 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 blah. And so you messaged us uh, via YouTube and you were like, oh, actually, I emailed you with that email address and no one ever got back to me. And so I want to apologize to you. I'm blaming Austin. That is totally my fault. I did not see it come through. Mike showed me the message. I showed me your message. I looked through my Gmail. It's not there. So I don't know if maybe it got thrown into spam or, or what. So what, what is the email address? The email address for the salty, Witches podcast is the salty, Witches podcast at gmail.com. So if you sent it, just, if you just sent it to salty, which is podcast at gmail.com, I don't know who got your email, but it was not us. But if you did send it to the salty, which is podcast at gmail.com, then I'm so sorry. It may have slipped through things. I don't know, but I did not receive it. It is not in my thing. And I have not gone through and deleted emails in my account. So I think about that sometimes like, with some of the communications that we have with our students and clients and each other and some of the very uh, occult, the very occult nature of some of what we talk about that. I think about that sometimes. I think like, what if they sent this to the wrong person? <laughs> and then you just get like this, this angry or fearful email back from some random person like, you're a devil worshiper. Actually, <laughs> so that happened one time. I had a student in one of my classes whose name was Seth. Mm-hmm. And I was sending like notes and stuff. He was a private student of mine um, to a certain email, and he kept saying, "Oh, I'm not getting them." And I was like, "Oh, well, I don't know what to what to tell you." Well, all the emails I had sent were sent to my old voice teacher, whose name was also Seth. And so when I Seth's in Utah, yeah. And so when I actually looked i was like oh crap and so i sent my voice teacher um a message and i was like i'm so sorry he's like no it's actually been really cool like it's very informative i just didn't know what to say oh so his, but his response was positive yeah yeah okay, dr keaton right. was, was okay really positive. he was dr keaton like, was know, just like oh it wasn't like some, some like 
evangelical fool that was like, you're evil and I'm going to pray for you and you need to accept Jesus into your heart. Exactly. Blah, 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 blah. The dogs, I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, I have already accepted Jesus into my heart. Okay. That is one of the reasons my cholesterol is so high. It's true. Um, okay, so. Just so everyone knows, the managers are a little high strung tonight. So you might be seeing are you, Roxy. There's, there's Roxy's face. You're, you're, you're choosing to play a tug of war with her while we're doing this, are you? Um, she's just going to growl. So anyway, so time. we apologize for missing your email. Um, you gave us a quick note here on YouTube today, though, and you were talking about um, death and the healthcare field. Um, and then you go on to reference that this time of year is particularly bad with COVID and flu. So I guess, um, unfortunately, because we lost your prior email, me, I'll take uh, the blame. Uh, I have no uh, problem. Uh, I have boy, no problem admitting when I'm I was, wrong. I was, unlike some people. I was trying to avoid a fight. Like, um, anyway, um, so, anyway, so I, so I apologize for that. Um, yeah, but I, but again, I, in answering this question, though, I'm not quite sure entirely what you mean by this. When we talk about, you know, things like, um, you know, life and death and the healthcare field, like, are we talking about I guess what I'm asking you is, are, are, are you wanting us to discuss or talk a bit more about how we could uh, utilize spiritual and magical work? Say if we were working in the medical industry and we needed some some help with that, like maybe just kind of sustaining ourselves, right? Because I mean, because it's exhausting being a medical person, you know, like depending on your job, right? If you're just some like clerical person sitting on the back end of administration, you know, yeah, you, you probably don't have it too hard. But, you know, but like first responders, um, nurses in particular, oh my God. I, I don't know how nurses do it. I don't know how nurses do it either. Um, we have, we have a, um, a, a current dedicant who's a nurse and I don't know how she does it. I, I, I have seen her show up more than once with probably her sixth coffee of the day mm -hmm. within the last like several hours yeah. and just an entire look of, Oh, hello. Just everything is horrible. And I want to set everything on fire mm -hmm. and we love her and I, I would support her in anything that she, she needs. So, yes. so anyway, so I so getting back to, to basically my question to your question is I'm not quite sure. What do you mean? Because those, those actually could be fairly broad topics. Yeah. Um, I, I would love to, to really talk about that a bit more, but I, I hesitate a bit because I'm, well, one, I'm not quite sure specifically what they were looking for mm -hmm. in the realm of information. Um, also, I, my personal knowledge on the medical industry is really probably not what it should be. I mean, really you don't be, work in the medical industry, so I don't know why that's what your I'm, that's what I'm saying. money, money, why your memory, or never mind, I'm shutting up now. I said my personal knowledge of the medical yes. industry, not my memory. What are you on? You just, can I? So, um, you just had dinner. Um, I'm, okay. I'm like, mm. So anyway, um, but but yes, I would love to talk about that. Um, we talked. You mentioned also things like the, like COVID and the flu, and we know that we can absolutely use uh, magical work and spiritual work to kind of supplement or to boost mundane efforts. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say, I, I I I usually try to caution people about going the magical route to deal with something say like a virus yeah. or like the cold or the flu you know um just because we have mundane ways to handle that right um i i think as particularly as my personal practice has advanced over the years 
And I think this happens to most of us, to be honest. I think when we're younger and we're really gung-ho and we're full of a lot of fire and we're learning a whole lot, um, and we just we don't haven't had all of the experiences that we want to have, right? When when it comes to these kinds of things, I think that we're usually in a position where we like we just want to fling magic at everything. Um, but as we grow, as we learn, and as we mature as magical practitioners, um, we actually usually end up doing magic less. Yeah. As you get older, you're going to find, or I shouldn't say older, but more experienced in your path, you should be doing magic less than you were when you first started. Um, and that, you know, and that's a generalization. I'm sure that there are always exceptions to that. Um, but, but that's coming from people who, who do this professionally, you know, which means that we're also doing spell work for other people in yeah. addition to ourselves. Like, and I can still say I'm doing magic a lot less these days than I was 20 years ago. Um, I think that that's a sign of not only maturing into your practice, but I think it's a sign of maturing as a person. I agree. Um, we, we have a tendency just as we start, and I talked about this in, in, in my Spellcraft 101 class last night, um, how- You taught a class? I did. Oh my God. But we, um, I, I talked about how you need to make sure that even if you are going to throw magic at something, you couple it with mundane things. It's going to go much better if you couple it with that. But also you need to make sure that, like, is it just a conversation that needs to be had? Because if it's just a conversation, why do you need to throw magic at it? Well, I mean, let's not, let's not go off on another tangent because they're talking specifically about dealing with like, like physical health issues. Yes, and it's the same thing. You know, you want to make sure that you're taking your meds, you're going to the doctors and stuff like that. But I do remember that we did do an episode where we answered a listener question very similar to like they work in the medical field and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So are you yawning? It's a long day. I'm gonna just turn the camera off for a minute. I, I need to smack you, but I don't want these saltines to watch that kind of violence. Okay. No, come on. It's time. <laughs> so so we do we've <clears throat> talked about it a little bit, but if you want to send um, your questions to the salty which is podcast at gmail.com um we will most definitely get those questions answered and up on the next episode all right okay thank you and thank you for being patient with us yeah so sorry so this saltine in particular um we are uh very human we are also very powerful witches but we are also very human very human. um and and very busy and we drop the ball um yeah uh okay next okay let's see Okay. Oh, questions from our uh, our friend Jack. Okay. Um, who I uh, believe we're going to have on the podcast here soon. Oh, sweet. Um, I need to lock in some dates. Um, and uh, yeah, and yeah. Anyway, okay. So they start with, "Hey guys, hey, hey, how are you doing? What's up with you?" Okay. So I got some questions. Uh, first question pertains to blood magic. Is the area where you draw blood from likely to affect the working that you do? Um, I teach a class on blood magic. And um, and yes, this is actually one of the things that I talk about in this class. Um, you know, when we look at the, uh, the concept of animism, and um, I think that when we talk about animism, particularly as it would relate to our physical being, really any physical being, right? While we identify that every separate like sentient being, like like me, just me as a as a, a as a person, right? As a as a man, as a as a oh gross, I just hate identifying as a man. Ugh. Ugh. Anyway, 
Men are so gross. As a living organism. As a living organism, yes. Um, I, I have an animistic spirit, right? I have a spirit, right? Um, but within my being, you could say that there are other types of animistic spirits or energies. Um, and so because of that, we see this, this sign or this, this, uh, this sign, uh, this belief in some practices anyway around blood magic. We see this belief that the area of the body because of how you associate that area of the body is going to have kind of its own animistic spirit or intent or drive or you know or just purpose in magic right so if i wanted to do um sex magic say which is going to be the topic we're going to be talking about when we get done with these questions um i might i might consider actually harvesting or collecting a little bit of blood from my genitals which you know is probably going to make a lot of people go ew but Witchcraft. I'm a witch and I do what I need to do to get the spell done. Um, you know, if you were, say, looking for, um, trying to think of another example, say you wanted to move, right? You wanted to do a spell where you were looking at actual physical movement, relocation, mm-hmm. and you wanted to utilize blood for that, harvest some blood from your feet or your lower legs, right? Because you associate your feet and your lower legs with walking, movement, travel. Right. Um, there, so yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and uh, since we're talking about harvesting blood, I do, of course, I want to tell everybody to please, if you're going to try to do this, uh, do some research, do so very carefully, be hygienic. Okay. Um, there are ways to practice blood magic that don't have to involve grossness and horrible, potentially horrible infections. Um, yeah, getting uh, like a staph infection uh as a result of doing a blood magic ritual yeah that's um probably not best practice yeah probably not um anyway so uh so yes pay attention to where you're harvesting the blood from um because that will affect your connection to it in the way that you use it in your spell work all right second question uh pertains to elementals what are some things to look out for if an elemental is trying to gain your attention um I, want, I kind of would like you to answer this one, okay? Um, but they ask, what measures would they resort to? So how would you, yes, I saw the look of fear in your eyes. Um, how would you, oh, God, my back is killing me tonight. Oh, jeez. This is bra. Anyway. <clears throat> I'm not wearing a bra, but I probably should be. Oof. Um, I want you to answer this one because you've worked over the years with a lot of very primal and draconic kinds of energies. You, as someone who worked very closely with Wicca, you've been affiliated with some high ceremonial magical processes mm-hmm. that involve elemental spirits and intelligences. How are elemental spirits likely to behave when we encounter them, particularly when we're doing that with the intent to incorporate them into our spiritual work? Um, okay. That's enough. It's going to depend on the type of elemental, really. Uh, Obviously, a fire elemental is going to have probably a little bit more ferocity and tenacity to it than, say, an earth elemental. Um, But if we're just looking at them in general, then it's going to be... It's going to be like a wild animal, really, if you're looking at it. Um, It's kind of like if you're walking through... Hi, Scout. Um, It's kind of like if you're walking through the forest and all of a sudden you come across a deer... There's going to be that moment of like, oh, hello. And just to be clear, tears are not elementals. Yes, they are not. But that's that's very similar to what it is like. 
And so when they do come in contact with you or you do come in contact with one, it's very animalistic. They're going to talk to you or not really talk to you, but they're going to try and communicate with you through very primal means. So air elementals are more apt to create obviously breezes, um, carry different scents. Uh, Water elementals are usually going to deal with cooling the temperature. Earth elementals are usually going to be very tired, lethargic, um, very just kind of like down to earth, heavy. heavy. Um, And then fire, again, is going to be much more tenacious. It's going to be a lot more active. Um, What about um, the kinds of just seemingly day-to-day kinds of interactions people might have with elements? Honestly, I'm just going to say this, probably you're not going to notice it unless you're super psychically sensitive because elementals have a tendency to just kind of keep to themselves, um, especially in very... Well, no, no, that's not what, I, not what I'm talking necessarily because I, I think that, um, I guess I guess what I was getting at is that I, in, in working with and, and talking with other people who work closely with elemental spirits, because again, remember, an elemental spirit is not the same thing as just the, the base element. Yes. Right, fire does not necessarily equal fire elemental. Correct. Okay, but I have noticed in my personal experience, and again talking to other people, that if you are trying to conjure, if you're trying to work with or connect to a water elemental, you're probably going to have some really weird experiences with water. Yes, um, that's what I was getting to. Okay, um, is you're gonna you're gonna have different experiences that are going to correlate to that. Um, if you're working with the water elemental and using that as an example, uh, and you successfully conjure this water elemental up, your pipes might burst. Well, I mean, yes, but those um, don't have to be bad experiences no, either. But I, I guess, I, I guess, where I'm getting hung up is like, what was the question? Because okay, they're if asking you're, about if you're trying to work with okay. What are some things to look out for if an elemental is trying to gain your attention? Okay, and I guess maybe that would have been a good place to start. Usually, these kinds of spirits, they're yeah, not they're gonna, not going to gain. They're your not going to try to gain. They your don't attention. care about you. They're, these are typically spirits because of how humanity, as the as we have evolved and as we have done a lot of the things that we have done to the natural world, to the realms that these spirits inhabit. In addition to our own. They um, pretty much avoid us. Yeah, these are spirits that are not likely to seek out interaction with human humanity. No, because we're gross and we're destructive, um, and we don't respect them. And um, you know, you got people who were laying down full blown lines of salt to form a salt circle to protect them from the oogie boogies it's out outside. in the middle of the forest. Out yes. in the middle it's of the like, forest. Why are you and so, the so that I think that's where I was, where I'm getting, where I was getting hung up. Honestly, was I'm like they wouldn't. So if you're having an interaction or if you notice that you're in an area, let's say you're a practicing witch, which we know Jack is. So Max, uh, I'm not sure Jack identifies as a witch. Okay. Well, a, mag- a magical practitioner, a magical practitioner. Um, and you've lived in a place for a while and you've really kind of upped your practice. You've been leaving offerings. You've been doing this stuff. You've been really connecting to the land. You're probably going to notice things um, that are going to be just, just different enough that they're going to catch your eye. So for example, when I first started working in the garden in the back of the shop, 
I noticed a lot of just weird things growing. Things that I didn't plant or things that I did plant that just grew quicker. You're talking about the mushroom crops that are growing up from all of the bodies? No. Leave my mushrooms alone. No, I'm talking, I'm talking like, um, like it takes, it, it takes Detora a minute to propagate. Um, but once it propagates, it actually like pfft, spreads like a weed. But like within a week and a half, I had stalks of Detora after planting the seeds. They just stalks or vines. They're really stalks because they're kind of woody. They're not really viney. Yeah. Woody. So that's that's what I'm gonna say is they're not gonna try and reach out to you. These are not spirits that really care or not whether you live or die or what you're doing as long as you're leaving them alone. So if you leave them alone, they usually leave you alone. But if you have impeded upon their space um, or are being disrespectful, then that's when you're most likely going to actually see the, the response that would probably be akin to a wild edible hunting you. Excuse me. Stalking. <clears throat> you'll feel like you're being watched. You'll feel like you're not necessarily safe or welcome. Um, but if they're chill with you, chances are you're just going to feel super, super at home where you're at. Yeah. I think some people have a natural affinity to particular elemental spirits mm -hmm. because uh, they first have an affinity to a particular element. Yes. You know, I think that you're going to find that people who <clears throat> say you live somewhere where you've got a lot of like maybe natural bodies of water, mm -hmm. you know, that are, uh, you know, readily accessible, you know, and you're someone who really likes to swim, mm -hmm. right? And you go out and you, you swim, you get into that water regularly because you enjoy the thing, right? Because you love to be able to go and swim in the process that of maybe trying to, to connect to an elemental spirit around that same area. I think you might find that that could happen a bit more easily. Yes. But only under the circumstances that you actually, when you were out there utilizing the waters, you were swimming, that you were like taking care of that space, right? You weren't littering, you weren't out there like these assholes on their noisy jet skis and shit who have to ruin nature for everyone else, right? Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I think that there are some situations where that where it could be a little bit easier maybe to connect with these spirits. Most definitely, yeah. Okay, Jack has a third question. Okay. And thank you so much for all of the questions um, because we we need the uh, the content. Uh, just quite frankly. Um, <clears throat> okay, so could an individual have a link to a higher being without being aware of it? Uh, like someone being touched by a powerful entity and embodying similar qualities or characteristics. Um, he goes on to reference uh, the example of, say, something like a demigod or an, uh, perhaps maybe an avatar of sorts. Um, so demigods are interesting because they're... This would be a bit different. Demigods, I guess if you look at like the textbook definition, is <clears throat> demigods are not human. Um, you know, they have... They're not mortal either. Yeah, they're not mortal. So I, I guess basically to, for someone to be, or a, for a being to be considered a demigod, they have to have some sort of divine parentage. Yes. You know, like, so we see, particularly in like the Greco-Roman mythology, Zeus was notorious for creating demigods because yes. he was such a slut. It's true. Um, and he just fathered bastard children all over the place with mortal women. It's true. Um, 
So his children, because they came from a mortal mother and had a, a god for a father, those would have been considered demigods. Mm -hmm. um, demigods, I think, in other uh, systems of belief, they are spirits that can ascend to positions of more deity-like power based on the faith of their followers. Um, but you get into some really nebulous territory there because then you're like, okay, does this qualify as a demigod or am I really basically still just kind of dealing with an egregore? Yeah. Right. So um, anyway, so let's, let's answer that, that question though. Um, do you think individuals that could have a link to a higher being without being aware of it? I think so, but it's rare and very, 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 it is very, it's just very rare. Because if that were the case, every person on fucking TikTok who is a high priestess of the ancient goddess Athena and they're only 16 would be correct. And they're just not, you know, um, chances are when you're. Well, again, we're dealing with somebody who like, this person isn't aware. That was that was kind of one of the like the. the explanations behind this question is like this isn't somebody who's going to be on tiktok saying like i'm a priestess of athena like, well what i'm saying is like if i want to preface this by saying yes i agree with that with also the preface of it's so extremely rare and that no you are in fact not this touched being because you have a really super strong connection um I do believe that there are individuals out there who, for some reason, for whatever reason, have a divine connection or a divine marking or something like that, that connects them to a different higher being or higher power or whatever, okay. and they're unaware of it. Um, I'm going to say, we'll see this, I, I'll use medical stuff as examples Medical. yes um doctors who are highly intuitive um surgeons who are highly intuitive who can see who really know how those things work i do believe that they are really not only did they go to school and work their asses off but they just have a proclivity towards it and it's because of their divine connection to something like something or someone like asclepius let's say that they just have the innate understanding of that. Okay. Did I just get too woo-woo and out there? Um, a little bit, but that that's okay. I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. I wonder if maybe this this answering this in this kind of conversation would probably be better facilitated by having a clear idea of what people meant by connection. Because I think, um, well, not think, I mean, I, this isn't a think this is a this is a this has been my experience and this has been a lot of things that i've heard from other people as well for you you've had these other interactions as well where mm -hmm. we have somebody who approaches us who is still relatively new to all of this mm -hmm. um and then they have that experience like we have this happen a lot with hecate right and yeah. people who are pursuing hecate in practice in some fashion right where they have that moment where she kind of like really pops up you know or mm -hmm. like like all of a sudden like all, like the veil parts and she's like surprise you know and <laughs> they're like you know and they're like like this energy has been here my entire life i just didn't realize this is who it was i didn't mm -hmm. realize this was her 
you know and so in those situations it it would make sense to me that yes that that deity had a connection to that person even though the person was unaware because they didn't they, you know they, they just didn't understand they were unaware they didn't know mm -hmm. the deity was a thing they didn't know that they maybe who, who knows right there are a lot of reasons why maybe they, they didn't have that awareness right so so i think that if we're talking about a situation like that i want to say i think many people have connections to deities that they could be unaware of oh my god um, what you're telling me is i got too deep <laughs> no, no no not at all um no you just kind of went in a different direction with this answer but what you said was also valid um in answer this is this is kind of a anytime we're talking about deity work and the human connection to the divine that that really that that's a very beefy kind of a conversation yeah. no offense to the vegans um so in getting back to what i was saying i think that we have to look at the the way that we define connection um in the example i just gave i think lots of people probably have that connection mm -hmm. now if you are again another one of these like i need to be special pick me messiah complex kinds of people um that is like for you that that connection means that you're like i am the prophet of this god or i am this god's chosen priest or blah 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 whatever it may be right um and and you're you're coming to that realization after maybe just just basically just realizing that the connection is there um i don't think that's a connection to divinity i think that's a mental illness <clears throat> Excuse me. I think that's narcissism. Um, maybe, maybe a bit. Is narcissism a mental illness? Yes, actually. Yeah, I mean, it would have to be classified as such, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I try to be patient with the mentally ill, but uh, I'm sorry, I cannot be patient with narcissists. They should be drowned at birth. <clears throat> um. Anyway, and of course, we wouldn't realize they were narcissists. Would it's we? true. They should be drowned as soon as we realize that they're. Uh, that they're narcissists. I don't know. Oh, and we could do it like deliberately through ritual, and then we could use that as a sacrifice to connect to water elementals. Perfect. See how these things just circle back around? Everything Full circle. connects. Everything connects. Full circle. Everything connects. We're not even high right now. No, we're not. Um, all right. So I think we went through questions there. Um, I did have one that came through on my oh, end. Oh, yes, please. Please. please um, go, ahead, go for it. And it's it's really pretty... It's really pretty beefy. It's a pretty question. So I'm just gonna go ahead and just read it. And I don't know if it's a question or if it's more of a comment. We just kind of do what we do. Like we'll like kind of break it up in segments. Sure. I may interrupt. Okay. You know all Hi, Mike and Austin. Long time listener, first time caller. I live in Idaho, tiny town called Victor at the base of the Grand Teton Mountains, the better side. And I have been to the shop a couple of times. Oh, cool. I love everything about it and both of you. Talking shit on light workers is my thing. I was a victim of the impact training craziness in SLC years ago. Paid them so much money just to realize they were a cult and I ran. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, I've been a solitary practitioner for about four years and by no means a pro, but feel confident doing most basic things. I'm a busy small business owner and mother, so solitary is easiest. Other than what I include my kids in. Also, there's not a huge or very close community of witches here. The closest is about an hour and a half away. And I do love them and go to their shops often. Here's my question, trying to keep it short. The whole last year, I have felt really pulled to find a mentor or class or something. I'm wondering if you have any recommendations on finding mentors or other classes like Awaking the Witch. I don't know how, probably because 2023 was a living hell, attic sister and custody and all this other stuff. Oh, I'm um, sorry. Yeah. Ugh. But I forgot when Awakening the Witch 
uh, enrollment ended and missed enrollment by like one week. I called the shop and actually talked to Austin. I felt like I felt so stupid when you said that it ended a week ago. I literally stumbled over my words like a dipshit. I was so looking forward to it because I trust you and it's offered online. Obviously, timing wasn't right, and I'm hopeful to make sure that it's it's in my goddamn calendar next year. But I would love something that will help me grow and learn more, not a coven. I think that's just not right for me. I like that. But if you have any recommendations on online classes or mentorships, I would love some. I hope this isn't too long and I hope it makes sense. Love the shop. Can't wait to see you guys again. Um, and hopefully you guys can ship. P.S. Your Justice Candle gave the judge for my custody cases this fall, and it was amazing. I'm so grateful for you guys and your podcast. The free education that it is, is truly invaluable. Warmly, Carly. Oh, thank you. That was a lovely email. That thank you very, so much. That was very sweet. Um, um, you were so kind. Um, all right. Uh, ugh, mentors. Okay. Mentors get... The, the, finding a mentor, I think, gets very tricky because I think oh, I'm thinking actually back to an experience I had with this just within the last couple of weeks. Um, okay, let's talk about mentors a little bit. Okay. I think that in any situation, not just witchcraft and these kinds of things, I think that in any situation, when we find ourselves in a, in a position to seek out a mentor, or a teacher of some sort, right? I think that we tend to go into those situations with this belief or this idea um, that this person is, at least for the purpose of the work that we'll be doing, right? And and who they may be, kind of maybe even around that work, right? We we approach these things, I think, with an idea that these people are somehow infallible, or we put people like mentors, teachers, guides, these kinds of things, particularly in the realm of the spirit, right? We put these people or tend to put these people on a pedestal. And I don't know if it's some just some phenomena that, uh, with just our psychology as humans. I think it could actually have a lot to do with the conditioning that we receive from religion. A lot of people, right, where you're told like, oh, this person is the bishop, this person is the priest, this person is the witch doctor, whatever, right? And they are unquestionable, and everything they do is right, right? Um, and that's tricky a situation like that because anybody that would be in a position to teach you in that capacity is still human mm -hmm. and as austin and i are, are always reminding people like we are imperfect and we are fallible um him more than me and we are it's true you know we and we try our best you know but but i will absolutely admit in the years that i have mentored and have taught people there have been situations where i just i've presented information in a way that just didn't meet that person's need or you know, or in in getting to know that person on on uh, on a, not a, not on a, not on a more personal level, I guess, but in just just con, con, you know having conversation with that person, they have perhaps found out something about me, like you know, like maybe like political affiliations, my opinions on something, you know, that really differ quite strongly with theirs, and it's been an issue for them, right? Which is silly because that wasn't really the beginning of what our relationship was supposed to be, right? It was like teacher-student kind of a dynamic, right? Um, but that shit happens because we're human and we're all very different, right? Um, <clears throat> so um, I think that we have to, if we're gonna put ourselves in a position to look for a mentor, we have to remember that at the end of the day, we're dealing with just another person. Yes. Okay? They might have a little more experience or a little more knowledge about something, but that does not mean that they are infallible. 
Okay. And that does not mean that just because they're in a position to mentor you today, that doesn't mean that they are someone that should always be the sole person that you go to for your information. Yes. Um, and I think that's one of the other tricky things that people run into. It's like they find a teacher and then it's like they just become like, like everything this person gives me is what I need. I'm going to base my entire reality around what this person's teaching me. Right. And you still need to find information from other sources. You still need to grow in other ways with other help and with other people. Um, any, any mentor, any teacher that you ever work with, it's like, you can only learn from me. That's not a mentor or a teacher. That is a cult leader. And you need to avoid those kinds of people um, because they will harm you. Yes. <clears throat> so looking for mentors, how, how do you recommend people go about this, Austin? Do you have any practical advice for people when it comes to this is kind of what you've been to pay attention to? These are your red flags. These are your green lights. You think of anything? The first thing that you need to do is you need to make sure that you actually connect with the person. Like it's really hard to have a mentor that you really just don't jive with. And that's happened several times in my Awakening the Witch course where someone has taken the class thinking it's gonna be one thing or another. And then by week three, they're like, oh my God, who is this crazy bitch? And what have I gotten myself into? Are students talking to you like that? Yes. Oh my God. Um, and then they <clears throat> usually just leave. I, I, actively, I actively had a student say, witchcraft was not what I thought it was going to be and it's too hard for me i'm just gonna go back to 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 collecting crystals okay and i went which more is, power to which you. is also acceptable um red flags for mentors are exactly what mike said you want to avoid people who say that their word is the only thing um any mentor that tells you to not read a particular book and then doesn't state anything <laughs> why um also a red flag you want to make sure that they are actually practicing what they preach so i see this a lot on TikTok, actually where someone is being mentored by one of the big TikTok stars and Ugh. and they're like constantly under attack and i'm just like if the person you're getting mentored from is constantly under attack and things keep getting through their wards and they keep starting shit that's a red flag how are they going to teach you to spiritually protect yourself if they can't do it for themselves you also need to seek a mentor who can actually tell you their lineage now i'm not saying that there needs to be you know blah 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 the white crop blah 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 it doesn't need to be that but you need to be able to have a conversation with them about where they learned things. And if where they learned things was these three books, and those are the only three books they're giving you reference to, uh, giving you reference to actually utilize or go towards and read, and they don't know anything outside of those three books, that's also a red flag. That means they've stagnated in their path and they aren't growing, which means that they're no longer a witch. That's, that's another good catch. They might be in a position to mentor or teach, but are they also still in a power process of learning? Yes. Because we never stop learning. Ever. As in Austin and I, we teach and mentor a lot. And he and I are, are both always studying and learning. Okay. Um, I think well, Scout is snoring. He is. He's precious. I want to strangle him. 
Um, well, he's chasing a wabbit with in love. His with love, I, I love Aww. strangling. Um, oh, puppy. Anyway, <clears throat> so <clears throat> okay, one of the other things that I have found is really helpful. Okay, and if you are dealing with somebody who you want to learn from, um, is to talk with them, see if you can get them to. Uh, provide information, contact information, or find another way to network with other people who have learned from this person. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just one or two. I'm seriously like, like, really do your due diligence. When it comes to things you are learning that affect your spiritual path, you do not want to half-ass this research. Okay. I would say if you can find a minimum, talk to, connect with at least a minimum of five or six students. Okay. Um, and students that have worked with that teacher over the course of a few years, right? So they're, each of them has kind of had their own experience, right? And see what the consensus is on that person's teaching, right? And that, again, can be a little tricky because every one of those people that you talk to might not necessarily relay the same kind of experience, right? They, they can't, right? They're all individuals, you know? And one of them might say, well, you know, he was a little disorganized, but the information was really, really good. You know, uh, another person might be like, well, he tends to be highly academic. And every time I learned something from him, it sounded like he was lecturing me. But at the end of the day, he gave me something that I could definitely apply to my practice. Right? Like pay attention to those things. Right. Because just because somebody has a personal like, oh, I didn't really care for their style, but the information was good. Mm-hmm. Right. That that still counts. That still is an indication of somebody that you could learn from. Right. Um, so pay attention to those pieces. Um, one other thing that I find is really helpful uh, is to pay attention to to do a little bit of digging into uh, people that are well known already as teachers. And what I guess what I mean by that specifically is people who, in some capacity, they are out there. They uh, and there is public information available out there around what they're creating and what they are presenting as teachers. You know, we see a lot of people in the occult community. You know, figures like Cindy Brannon, uh, Jason Miller. Right, you were talking about taking Jason Miller's course, mm-hmm. right? Um, that and these are these are people that are not only uh, established in their own practice; they are voices within the occult community, right? They uh, many of them are published authors, right? Um, and they are structuring seminars and courses and workshops and things based upon their work that you know has to be uh, worthwhile information, right? Because many people are partaking of this. Right. Um, and those are always good places to look for mentorship or, or learning opportunities. Right. Again, with the understanding that those people are still human. Okay? And they're they're not going to be perfect. There could be things you don't care about them or like for them personally. You know, um, there might be things that they say, you know, that maybe you can't get 100 percent behind. But if the bulk of what they're giving you is still applicable to what you're trying to do and learn. It's worth it. Yeah. That's a good mentor. Um, other green flags are going to be that they're going to be honest with you. In, if they don't know something, they will say, I don't know. Um, and then encourage you to look at sources that they think would be really good. Or they'll go down that rabbit hole with you. Um, one, one thing that I really, really liked, um, that, that I do with my students is I always preface, this is my experience. 
I'm teaching from my experience, not yours, not these other people's. I'm teaching from my experience. And because I'm teaching from my experience, this is the terminology I'm going to use. But this terminology means this. The teacher needs to be able to also, teacher, mentor, whatever, needs to be able to see where they stand and have a large enough window of self-perception that they know what is theirs and what can also be applied to you in a broad enough spectrum that you can do your own thing with it. One last note on seeking a mentor or a teacher. If you got to a point, and I'm not addressing this specifically to the salt team, but just to, to people, you know, salt teens in general, you get to a point where you are seeking out a mentor or a teacher. And I mean, a teacher kind of more in the, in the aspect of a mentor, right? Someone that was kind of more of a personal, like, you know, mentor, right? Kind of a teacher, right? Um, make sure that you have done the personal inventory that you need to do before you do that, uh, because that's a commitment. Um, when you seek out and make the agreement with someone else that they are going to mentor you, right? And you are unsure of that. Uh, if they're a good mentor, for one, <clears throat> excuse me, if they're a good mentor, <coughs> excuse me, I oh got I'm so sorry. <clears throat> it's all these, cat, these dogs and cats around me, I'm dying over here. Um, if they're a good mentor or teacher, um, they, they may sense that in you. When you sit down with them, they may be like, I kind of get the sense that you're not really ready to commit, right? Um, and in that, in, the, in that conversation, if they're telling you like, I don't think that you're really ready yet, okay? Don't take that necessarily as a sign that they don't want to mentor you or that they're not available, okay? In that situation, you need to look at yourself, okay? Um, like I said, this is a commitment that you make not only to yourself, but also to your mentor. Okay, we are, as I mentioned repeatedly, we are human people. We have lives and relationships, children and bills. We have all of the same things that all the rest of the people in the world do, right? And we need time and attention for those other things. And if we have someone approach us, it's like, I really wanna learn the thing, right? And we make the investment in that person to actually mentor or teach. And then we find out very quickly that, oh no, oh, definitely not. They're not ready. They're not doing the work. They're not, that, that's gonna be a problem. And we're probably gonna tell you like, uh, mentorship done, you know? Um, and then the challenge in a situation like that is that if you should then later approach us again, we're gonna probably be extremely hesitant to consider taking you on again as a student or a mentee. Mm -hmm. um, so consider that, okay? Um, and remember that mentorships are not just about what you receive they're about what you give okay and it's a two-way street it's a two-way street so you need to show up you need to be responsible you need to be accountable okay you need to follow instruction right you need to do what that mentor needs you to do to learn the thing right and as long as it's not something that's seriously going to harm you or when completely counter to your personal moral convictions you, you probably need to do it right because that's what's involved to learn okay um yeah, I just, I notice a lot of people go into these kinds of situations with the like, well, what can I get, you know, and, you know, and you're going to get a lot of good stuff if you're dealing with a good mentor or a good teacher, 
um, but you, you've got to, to reciprocate that. Okay? Um, speaking of reciprocation, pay your mentors. Uh, you know, I, I have this conversation. We have a lot of people approach us seeking private mentorship. Um, you know, and I, I, and I, I will admit, you and I both, we do so much free work for people. It's true. We give so much away. In fact, I've actually had interactions with other professional practitioners that have like given me shit because I've told them about something maybe that I've done for a client. And they're like, and how much did they pay you for that? And I'm like, well, I didn't charge them because they were like really in a position of need. And I have it within my ability to do this work for them. And I didn't need to, you know, and I've gotten shit from other practitioners for that, mm -hmm. you know? So do also remember that if you are going to seek out a mentor, you need to reimburse that person for their work. Okay. That might be money. It doesn't have to be money. Right. I know I personally, I enjoy money because it allows me to actually afford my bills. I can't pay my, you know, my utility bills with barter, you know, um, but, you know, but everybody else is different. Everybody's different, right? There might be somebody out there that's like, you know, oh, absolutely. You know, if, if you just want, want to learn, you want to take this class and you can maybe do this small favor for me or help me with this project in some capacity and they're okay with that. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Why not? Right. Uh, but do expect to pay your mentors. Okay. Um, there is a lot of truth to the old saying that you get what you pay for. Yep. Particularly when it comes to learning. Okay. If you are working with someone who is like, oh, I can teach you all the things and I'm going to give this all to you for free because I'm an amazing person, right? You're probably not really going to learn anything of value. Uh, it is what it is. It, it's, it is a very fine line. Don't charge out. Like if you're seeking out a mentor and they're charging you $1,500 a month, <clears throat> that's obscene. Well, depending on what you're learning, maybe not. Well, depending on what you're learning, yes. But if we're just using traditional witchcraft, like just witchcraft in general, sorry, no. Well, and this is another component of how research is important though too, right? Like if you really want to learn something, it's probably a good idea that you do a little bit of digging and find more than one person who teaches the thing. Yeah. Contact them both, see what both of them are maybe likely to charge for service, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> what both of them are, are willing to, I'm so sorry. Um, well, they're both charging for lessons, right? And figure what you want to pay is probably an average somewhere of the two. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, you want to make sure that you can, I, I cannot stress this enough, you can actually get verifiable information of their experience. I cannot stress this enough. Well, you talked about that. You talked about vetting them and making I know, sure that they but had. I just have to hit roots. it home. And it's, it's so frustrating to me. I had someone who contacted me because they were a Celtic shaman. Celtic, you say? Yes. Like with an S? No, with a C. Oh, you mean you, Celtic. Yes, because in the Gaelic language, the C is a K sound. But of course, they didn't know that. Um, and they're spending all this money on Celtic shaman training and i just had to roll my eyes um so somebody's being taken advantage of horribly yes i just had to roll my eyes and i was like okay whatever it wasn't no worth the fight such thing as a but, celtic shaman but that is not a real thing but you also need to understand going back to also 
with Mike, how he was saying paying your mentors, it really is important because a lot of us do a lot of things for free. And it's not that we are money grubbing, but it takes time and it takes energy out of our lives, out of our personal day. And that needs to be compensated. Um, if you sit down to a doc at a doctor's appointment, you pay the doctor or your insurance does whatever, you know, if you sit down or you decide, if you decide to go to college, you have to pay tuition. going through the same thing again. Yes, anyway, I'll shut up. Okay, let's move forward. What else do we got? Do you, do you feel we provided enough information on mentorship? I think we've presented enough information on mentorship. As Did, as, did we answer that person's question? I do okay. believe so. I, I also want to say that you can find really good online sources, but anything that you take in form of like, like a class, take it with a grain of salt. You want to make sure that you take it with a grain of salt and do your own research on top of the class. So, you know, if you're take, let's say you did sign up for my Awakening the Witch class, I encourage all my students to, the, to do their own form of research. Um, when I go through the process of talking about the Witch Queen and the Witch Lord, um, I tell everyone. So it's, so it's not about taking it with a grain of salt, because taking things with a grain of salt means that you really don't, at the end of the day, you're not really paying them much mind either way. Yes, it, it, correct. It's, it's, it's making Are sure. Are really tired? I am, actually. Why are we doing this right now? You want to just go to sleep and I'll finish? No. Okay. Um, so just make sure that you're also doing your own research on top of the research that your mentor would be doing. Um, good news, a lot of the classes that are offered at Cat and Cauldron are available online. So if you really... Your classes. My classes, mainly because even though other people have the ability to do them. Oh. They'd rather throw... The computer at the wall um uh, and that's fine uh, there are there are days i told you i have reasons for why i have not been offering a lot of online classes recently yes it's easier for you to set boundaries that um way. well there's that but also okay so there's this part of me guess which part no there there's part of me in here with my my black bitter tiny heart in your chesticles thing um that always kind of keeps in mind that the traditions and the things that we teach right that historically these were not things that were just made available for everybody you're right but we live in the 21st these, century I, no, i'm getting there okay so there's this part of me that's like I, I I still there I don't I don't know what it is it just it feels right to me to be able to meet with smaller groups of people face to face and actually have the exchange teach the class and do the ritual and do those things like you know and I I know that because of yes we are our modern technology time right we've expanded that and we're now making a lot of what we do available to others to broader audiences and people who are not here geographically right or able to attend in person right and that's and that's good that's a good thing because sometimes those people would have no other opportunity to learn 
right? Um, but I, I think they're, they're just recently, I've taught a lot of classes, the, the subject matter of a lot of the classes that I've taught lately has very much been this, like, this is kind of a, like a, a special thing or a more esoteric kind of a practice, right? And I don't know, that's, that's where I'm at with that. I, there, there's a part of me that feels conflict over this because what we do and what we teach, the information that we share, this is something that absolutely should be made available to everyone, okay? But having said that, I still within the core of my being believe that not everyone is meant to be a witch. I agree with that 100%. And there are a lot of people that get caught up in these things because of the availability of online classes and stuff that are the dabblers and the people that really are not committed and they don't have the dedication or the discipline to do it. And I think in those situations, that proves to be a bad experience for them because they get in, they do the thing, they learn just enough to get into trouble. Mm -hmm. And that's usually what happens. And because they didn't actually listen to the entire lesson, now they don't know what to do to get out of trouble. Yeah. Right. Or uh, and that's okay. Anyway, so that's kind of why I have not made as many classes available online. Okay. Um, don't give me shit for that. Also, because people register last minute, and it's Ugh, there's that. It's it's absolutely ridiculous, in my opinion, to register last minute for something. I think recording these at, at home is is not a good thing because i've noticed that we tend to ramble and take our time this recording in this setting i think has us both kind of lapsing into like a very casual like this isn't really work anymore because we're home i'm noticing that because of that these episodes they're like they seem to be like long and kind of dragging cool well this isn't work because we're not getting paid so anyway let's move forward sex magic feels like work to me all right, sex magic. So a few weeks back, we had a, a salty in contact us and asked us to talk about sex magic. Um, and I, I, I like this because I like to talk about the magical practices that seem to be more taboo, which is ridiculous because these are, these are things that originally were never taboo. Um, sex has always been a component of ritual and magical work, depending on your tradition, right? Um, so but for i think a lot of people particularly with the influence of all the puritanical nonsense we get from religion over the recent centuries right um there's this idea i think uh that to incorporate sexuality sacred sex these kinds of things into your spiritual work is uh particularly in, in the spectrum of traditional witchcraft is like not not okay basically we we just we all just have a lot of hang-ups about sex i think in our yeah it's ridiculous practice. Um, you know, anyway, so that being said, so sex magic is, um, is really powerful and it would make sense if you think about it, right? When you think of all that goes on, uh, around something like sex, I guess I probably, I should have probably clarified if there's anybody, if any of our saltines right now are listening to this episode, watching this episode, you know, uh, and you've got, uh, small children around that are, are maybe listening in as well. Um, you know, just, just heads up, you know, we, we may be talking about some things in the next few minutes that are certainly going to be much more adult in nature. There's um, a reason that all of our episodes are marked explicit. Yeah. Use your critical thinking skills. Yes. We, we, it is not our responsibility to parent your children. Um, all right. So um, there's a lot that happens during sex, right? When you yes. think of it, even outside the spectrum of spiritual work, right? Although I think sex really is a very spiritual thing. 
I think that in the culture that we live in, it's become for many people kind of just this purely mechanical, do the thing, experience done, throw the person away kind of a dynamic, right? And that's so unfortunate because while yes, it is also a, a purely physical act or a very physical act, there is absolutely an exchange of energy that occurs yes, yes, when we are sexually involved with another person. Mm -hmm. okay? And I'm not even talking like intercourse, like any kind of sexual activity that it connects us to another person is potentially just that. It is energetically connecting us to another person. Um, it's one of the reasons over the years why I've never really been able to be successfully like a hoe is because every time I've thought about it, every time I've had the, the opportunity or the interest, I've kind of been like, do I want to risk having an energetic tether to this person? Probably not. Um, anyway, so we need to, I think, in looking at first the, the topic or the practice of sex or sex magic, we need to understand that that there is very much an energetic thing happening yes here. it's not just the physical Correct. okay um and we know that to be true if we think about what happens when we have sex right like all those hormones flare right temperature rises you know we get sweaty body temp you know um there's this whole a whole lot that happens physiologically and we know or we we should believe we should understand that if there are changes happening on a physical level that there is something mirroring those changes that is happening on an etheric level yes because that's how witchcraft works mm -hmm. um, so the same would be true for sex so um so yeah i don't know sex magic is a good thing and um and there are certain traditions out there particularly like within the practices of chaos magic where it's like solo sex is also something that can be utilized quite effectively oh yeah to raise power um so let's talk about just just the practice itself like you know the, like the, the the process um why might somebody utilize sex magic what would be the benefit of utilizing sex magic as a component of virtual work around spell work it's highly volatile energy um on top of that it is very very primal um it involves not just the physical body and the etheric body like you said um it also is an act of creation yeah. So are you asking why would someone in the sense of like, I'm saying like, like, what, what would be the, the benefit, you know, if you're looking at somebody who is like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of new into spell work, magic work, and I'm, I'm really looking for ways to, oh, well, hello, sir. I'm looking for ways to expand my practice, you know, and I'm looking for maybe another method Mm. ritual slash spell work that I could, could add to kind of my, 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 my regular stuff that I do, right? Why, why, why would sex magic maybe be a good thing to consider? One, because you can do it on your own. Uh, but two, it really is, again, it goes back to that primal source of energy and power and sensuality that is just innate in every person. Okay. So the process of sex magic is interesting because I think that that's, that's, it's the logistics of it. I think mm -hmm. that really kind of confuse people and that because we all tend to be very, um, a lot in our, in our society, we all tend to be kind of still very immature around sex, just as mm -hmm. a discussion, as a topic, right? Even outside of the realm of magical practice, um, talking about the, the process, the act itself, the ritual act itself, I think tends to get people kind of squeamish and giggly, 
right? Mm -hmm. I always think of these people when they come into the store and they see like the penis candles on the shelf and it's always the same, like, hey, there's a penis. You know, it's always that, that person, you know, and every time that person comes into the store, I always want to just blurt out like, yes, and you would use this for these things. Yeah. You know, to try to do a little bit of education, but they're not really there. They're not, they're not hearing that, right? Like they saw a penis shaped candle and that just was just hilarious for them, right? Yes. Um, my know, favorite I, ones I, are I, the, my favorite ones are the straight guys who come in and they don't know what the vagina candles are. Yes. Yeah. They look at the vagina candle. They're like, what is it? It's like, yes, that makes sense. Cis hetero man. Yes. Can you find the clitoris on that candle? I bet you can't. Most of the candles don't actually have clitoris on them. I know, I noticed that. Like, they're not really. But I guess the way that they're shaped, like with the vulva, like you wouldn't really. Anyway. Um, so anyway, so the process though is interesting because a lot of people I think like, so I, like I just have sex and then like, that's it. You know, it's like, no. no, there's a lot of preparation that goes into this, right? Like you need to do a lot of work prior. You need to make sure that going into that before anybody even starts to take off their clothes, like I'm talking like hours in advance, you need to sit and you need to have like some sort of clear thought, like this is what's going to happen, you know? And I'm directing this energy, the energy that is raised through this act toward this purpose. Okay. And you want to set the scene, right? You want to, you know, wherever you're going to be doing this, right? Like my favorite is the backseat of a Volvo because I'm classy. Um, anyway, sorry, old mall rats reference. Oh, it wasn't a Volvo. That was a VW, wasn't it? That's what he it says. It's like, yeah, the backseat of a VW. I wouldn't do that because they're really tiny. That'd be a very small, like ritual space. Yeah. Anyway. Um, compact. <clears throat> yes, compact. That's the word. Yes. Yes, compact. Something might be compacted. Um, so you're preparing yourself on an emotional level. Okay? You're also going to be preparing, be preparing yourself on a physical level before you're do, going into a, a, a sexual working, a sex magic working. Bathe. Yes. Wash yourself. Okay? Um, and when you get out of the shower, anoint yourself. Dress yourself with oils and things that not only heighten sexual arousal and make you feel sensual right but also things that align to the purpose of what you're doing you're working for hey you know if you are doing a working for let's say a new job right and you're like i want to employ sex magic as a part of this See, okay yeah um just kind of weird um i want to utilize sex magic for this right it would be good for you to do something to kind of mark to anoint to dress yourself with something that was for you a sense that you associated not only with sex and sensuality but also with prosperity and work okay, in your career okay um and do that and you'll want to have your partner do the same okay if you have a partner Right, whoever it is that's helping you with this, right? Okay, that's probably another good thing to say. Like, consent is always sexy. Yes. And if you are working with another person in some capacity to do sex magic, you need to make sure they're on board in every sense. Okay, they need to be just as much a part of that consciously as as you are. Okay, you check on him. Yeah, he's fine. Scout, come here, Bubba. Anyway, does he need to potty? I don't think he needs to. They were just out. Anyway, sorry, everyone. We have uh, doggos. Now, one of the other drawbacks of, of recording at home is the zoo is interruptive. Um, anyway, where was I? 
Consent. Consent. Um, so you're going to get that person, right? You're going to kind of talk about this and you want to be on the same page. You need to sit down with that person and you need to have a discussion around this is the mental image we are going to hold in our minds as we are doing this, right? This is the, the incantation that we will say, right? As we feel our breath build and our heart rate increase, this is what, what we will do. This is even down to as graphic as it may seem, this is the position that we will utilize for this, right? Because this allows us both to be in what we ideally feel is our most projective form, right? Um, it's why I talk with women a lot, and this is always an awkward conversation, but as I've taught things around this topic in past, I always encourage women to be the uh, to be a more active partner in sex magic. Um, you know, I think traditionally just based on our society, women tend or are taught to be like, well, you're the receptive partner, right? You just lay there and take it. No, 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 no. No, if this is your spell, you need to be in control, which means that you're probably needing to be on top so that you can really steer the ship, right? And let's just hope that the ship has an adequately sized mast. Um, no, I, I sorry, in this situation, I want to say like, just, just you know, for the, the gentleman who might, might potentially be tuning in, uh, people who maybe own a penis in some fashion, um, size really doesn't matter, okay? Not in this situation anyway, Okay, um, so all y'all size queens out there. The size of your wand does not matter. Go. Exactly, the size of your wand doesn't matter. The size of his wand, their wand does not matter. Okay, as long as their wand is able to cooperate in some aspect, that's what matters. Okay, um, anyway, but I encourage women to kind of like take the more dominant role in these situations. Um, yeah, enough of that. Anyway, um, so you've you know you've talked about this you've set the scene you've you've set yourself you've you've dressed yourself you you've uh you know you've added other things to the to the to the situation incense. right like you've added incense maybe you're burning particular colored candles that are in alignment with what you're trying to achieve around your bed right you're doing this on a day like Friday which is so heavily influenced by Venus right or maybe Tuesday which is heavily influenced by Mars right um you know you're doing all of these things that you would really normally do I would hope normally do in your spell work you're just gearing them around this sexual act that is going to occur right in the process of the sex act itself and we've talked about this on the podcast before this right here your physical body this is your first altar this is your primary altar okay um you you can keep other altars your ancestral altar your working altar whatever right? this is your first altar and always will be because this is the physical anchor of your spirit. Right? Um, but when we have, uh, when we utilize sex magic, particularly when we are working with a partner, your altar and their altar become one, the altar. Okay? And everything that you do upon that altar is ultimately what is going to materialize your work. Okay. Um, so, you do what you do. You have your process, right? You're saying your things. You're you're syncing up your breath, the rhythm of your body, and all of this is being geared toward a particular purpose, which you are trying to materialize or manifest, right? When you get to the moment where you are ready to, we'll just say, uh, end your spell. Um, that that moment in particular is very important because as you feel the release of orgasm okay 
you need to let that release, that sense of release, that rush of energy, that heightening of yourself, you need to be able to project that toward the goal. Um, and in that situation, it's really helpful, I think, to sometimes have a physical representation of what that goal might be. You know, um, it can be lots of different things. You could have, uh, say, you're doing this in bed at home with you know relationship partner right and you position yourself in just such a way so that you are able to both look at the headboard and on the headboard of your bed you have taped an image of your new house right and you're both going to focus on that image and that that reality, that thing being, you know, manifest for you as you release that. And again, the idea is that the physical release is something that will be mirrored by an energetic reaction in the realm of the etheric or the spiritual, right? Um, okay, when you are done, as is always good to do in a ritual setting of any kind, um, you need to do some self-care and some aftercare it's good to to kind of allow yourself to once you've felt that release and you're done to come back to yourself to do a bit of grounding right to encourage your partner to do the same right um, and in that moment it could be good to get up or do something that allows you to once again kind of firmly not that you're not going to be grounded in your physical body right because you will be you just had sex right but to be able to um I think still maintain a strong physical connection to ground in that way um, is always important after ritual work. Um, from there, depending on, on what you've structured, how you want your, your, your working to be done and maybe other processes you're familiar with, um, clean up, clean up your spell, right? Um, that includes yourself, clean up your spell. Um, and as is always the case with magic, once you've done that, move on with your day right? Um, don't, don't hover and dwell over that working. Beyond that, I really think that, I mean, let me know if I've missed anything, you know, I'm, I'm trying to present this information in a way that might seem a bit general, but I'm also doing that because I want this to be something that is applicable to as many individual practices as possible. Well, it's because it is. Sex magic can be as complicated or as simple as you want it to be. And ultimately, what you're doing the basis of sex magic is this is my goal i'm going to ground this goal in the physical reality by utilizing my first altar my physical body and the sensations that come with one of the most primal things we do and raise that energy and and focus it and direct it that way it's one of the most powerful yet easiest forms of magic there is yeah oh i know one other thing i wanted to mention there is an idea or a belief in some magical traditions that the only effective way to work sex, sex magic is if you have both a male and female uh traditionally we haven't gotten over that like a fab or a mab people i'm talking about like people who pair to do this kind of working. And I'm just telling you right now, that is absolute bullshit for all of our LGBTQIA plus people out there. Absolutely not, okay? That concept of physical duality is so wrong. And it really is, it's just, it's, 
it's bullshit. And, you know, and it really always was, to be honest, because if you think about it within ourselves as individuals, we are both masculine and feminine. If you believe in that kind of duality or polarity, we are both of all of us within ourselves are both masculine and feminine. So it doesn't matter if your partner is a same sex partner or not, because somewhere within the spectrum of their being, they are also encompassing both masculine and feminine energies. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm really tired of hearing that. I I get that a lot, particularly when we start to talk about like uh, concepts that are related more to like high magical ceremony, like uh, high roscamos, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, and things like that, where we see like oh, the divine connection of of the goddess and the god being uh, played out by humans in ritual, where the man takes his athame and inserts it into the woman's chalice. And I'm like, one, barf, okay? Two, that's not magic. That's pagan theater. Yes. And you're probably not accomplishing much or accomplishing much other than making the rest of us feel super uncomfortable. Um, so, so do remember that because I know that we have a lot of uh, Rainbow Mafia, uh, people who listen to the podcast and your sex magic, particularly in working with a partner is just as valid okay? and will work just as well. Right? So don't get caught up on that. Okay? Um, and if you have any old fuddy-duddy high magic practitioner to tell you otherwise, send them to me. And I will punch them in the face repeatedly. Roxy um, will eat them. Yes. That, yeah, I eat them. I will put my athame in their, in their back. I eat them. Uh, anyway, Delicious. so I don't know. Have we, have we talked about sex magic enough? Yeah, I mean, it's a really simple thing. It really it is when you think about it, but... I think because again, it tends to be something that's kind of like taboo and we tend to be like about anything sex related. It seems like something that is for many people kind of like untouchable or like, I like, get that, you know, like, well, this is too weird. I can get that. Like, not really. No, it's not. It's like, one of the most natural things. There if, is. if you're an adult and you're sexually active, you're, you're, I mean, you're having sex anyway, why not just throw a little bit of additional ritual work into that and actually see some cool shit happen in your life. Right. True. Yeah. One thing that I will say works really, really well because sex is such a creative process. Sex magic is really good for things where you are creating or materializing more. Sex magic is really good for abundance um, and prosperity. It's good for healing. It's good for making things happen. It's good for anything that would be considered a process of increase or growth or creation and expansion. expansion. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, go right to sex magic as a means of ritual process for baneful workings, unless, unless the way that you were potentially working that had something to do with somebody's physical body, like the the target of that working had something to do with their physical body or something to do perhaps with um, impacting a relationship. There are components of sex magic that I think a lot of pra- uh, practices, a lot of traditions have incorporated for years and years and years, and they just have never really considered it as such, mm-hmm. right? Like we know a lot of traditions will utilize things like menstrual blood, right? Which is not something that we normally associate with sex necessarily, but it is very much a physical, like, yeah. this is like, this is a creative kind of thing that, that your body does and a destructive kind of thing that your body does. Um, semen. Yep. You know, like people use these things, like even the sweat from your body, 
after you get done having sex, right? Like that sweat has on an energetic level has some very interesting properties, yeah. right? Because of all of the pheromones and things that have been released, right? Or that like are in that sweat, right? Um, that collecting that sweat and utilizing that in say like working to draw in like love or to strengthen love, right? If you're doing, you're actually using a relationship partner, like I should say using, but having sex with a relationship partner, that's a really effective way to strengthen a spell. Yeah. Right. Austin does that to me all the time, which is why I'm just smitten. You're always working the baneful magics on me. Don't even I am not. I, I haven't I would worked. Never. I would never. Yeah, you're lying. lying. I haven't worked lying, baneful magic lying. in a very long time. Lying. Anyway, I think we got an episode. Um, oh. Austin says we're done. We've been going for a, for quite quite a minute. Have we? Yeah. I have no idea. It doesn't tell us. It, yeah, like yeah, we've been going for a minute. Oh, do we need to like break this episode up over like four weeks? No, probably not. Okay. Um, but we do have some cool stuff coming up at the shop. Um, we have the divination study group that's happening. God, I hope people come because it, we're like in the middle of like snowstorm true over the next few days and i think people are going to be afraid to leave their houses true. i don't know why we're talking about this because that's not something that's available online true um that's okay we're, we're good we're going to call this if you want to see any of the ups, any of the upcoming classes or events go to catandcauldron.com you'll be able to see that other than that thank you for tuning in we appreciate you thank you saltines and happy witching bye